Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. I've got a fantastic guest for you this week. It's the former British, Commonwealth, European and World Boxing Champion. He's also a world-leading inspirational and motivational speaker and personal performance coach. He's an author. The title of his book is Man Up, The World Champion Way. And during the lockdown, he's created a brand new 12-week coaching program called How to Change Yourself and Your Life in 12 Weeks, The World Champion Way. Please welcome the former light welterweight champion of the world, Billy Schwer. Well, Billy, thank you so much for coming on Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast show this morning. How was Pleasure life- to be with you, my friend. Good. How has lockdown been treating you? Lockdown has been really good, actually. Excellent. What I've, have you been up I've to? Really, I've used the time wisely, and I've, uh, I'm, get back into, I'm getting back into my running. Okay. So I haven't been running for some time, and obviously the gym's shut. It is. So I thought, I'll get back into my running, and I... Ah! Lovely. So I just haven't got my running legs. I call it me running legs. So they've kind of left me. So right. I'm six. I'm six weeks into my running campaign, and I've just just turned the corner. Right. It's taken six weeks to get to where I'm at, and I've, I did a ten mile. I'm up to ten miles. Wow. Fantastic. So which I'm really pleased about. So I've done two ten milers this week. Excellent. And I'll probably do another one on Sunday. So I'm up to a good level now, but it's taken six weeks. And I've just, but again, it goes back to what we all know about. You don't get the results that you want straight away. You've got to do the graft of over course. time. Yeah. And when you don't see the reward straight away, that's the, you just got to hang in there, hang in there. And I was like that. So I'm like three, four weeks, five weeks in, I'm thinking, what's going on? <laughs> my legs, are, my le- whose legs have I got? These are not my legs. I get that. I get that. Definitely. So I kept kept going and kept going. I've just broken through it. So um, I'm really pleased with it. So I want to get that running right. fitness back. So how far how far is the aim? What 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 mileage are you aiming for? I don't know. I'm just playing about with it. I'm going to do. So I've done two ten milers this week. So if I could do another ten miler, that'd be nice. Yeah. I just want to get my running legs back to some sort of. And I've got no. I'm not going to go run a marathon. I've yeah. done a marathon before. That was disastrous. That's painful. That is horrible. But horrible. it's um, now I just want to get up to a nice level, get that physical running fitness back. Cause I can remember that when I was boxing, that level of fitness that you had, you could go out for a run. And I used to get so inspired and moved when I was running, I'd have music on. I'd be like in tears of joy with that, that level of the endorphins that were yeah, firing of off and the, it's just amazing. So it's, I want to get back to a piece of that action. Excellent. And I'm getting Fantastic. there and I'm delighted that I'm getting there. And it's, it's, I'm six weeks in. Yeah, of course. And I mean, to do 10 miles in six weeks is fantastic, isn't it? So you do, you've obviously, you've embraced lockdown, Billy. I have. And also at the same time, I know we've talked about the book that I've wrote, Man Up the World Champion. So what I've done, I've created a 12-week coaching program, to, which is all related to the contents of the book. So... The lockdowns enforced that to happen sooner than what I was going to intentionally do it. So, so the lockdowns been really good for that because I, I, I wanted to add that into my business so I can do that from home like we are. Yes, of course. So I could, and I can do it globally. So I've got clients kind of all around the world and it's, um, and it's and the difference it's making to people. It's, it's just brilliant. So It's yeah, amazing so what's happening. Really- I think that a lot of people have found that lockdown have, have given them that time and opportunity to really pursue something that they've, they've thought about in the head, but because of work and family life, it just stops them from doing it. So they're now full into it like yourself, you know, that's brought that book forward for you. Yeah. And similar with this podcast, it was something I was looking yeah. to do maybe later in the year, in the summer, but it's brought it forward and it's, it's been going great. Um, so before we get into to the book, Billy, because it's definitely something that we, we want to talk about, we need to talk about on this show. We've already said in in the intro that you know you're a former British Commonwealth European and World Boxing Champion. Just first of all, wow, that is absolutely an amazing achievement. How old were you when you started? Oh my goodness, look at that! There we go. So people on the podcast, people on the podcast, you might not be able to see. Well, you won't be able to see this, but <laughs> he's just showed me his IBO belt and, and what a thing of beauty that is. Billy, how old were you when you started boxing? 
So I started when I was eight. So my dad, my dad, well, I, when I was growing up, my dad, I saw my, my dad used to box for, he was the Irish featherweight champion. Wow. He boxed for Ireland and he also boxed for England back in the day. So he was a very successful amateur boxer. And I can remember in the loft, you remember the old horsehair boxing gloves, the really the yeah. old black leather boxing yeah, gloves. Yeah. So I, he had them in, the, in the, the loft and his old black boxing boots with the leather soles. And there was old black and white pictures. So I kind of, I was present to that, but I didn't know too much about it, obviously, at the time. So then eight years of age, and I asked my dad to take me to the gym. And then I kept on at him to, I wanted to learn how to box. And so he took us and he created this little gym in the, in the downstairs of a, a community center. And he, we used to go down there three times a week and put erect the gym up and all that sort of stuff. So that's how it started. Fantastic. And then I, I joined the Luton Boys Club, which is in um, just round the corner from where we lived in Luton. And that was so I started there when I was 10. Okay. And then I went out, then I, when I was 11, I went over to the Luton Irish Amateur Boxing Club. Right. So I had my first contest when I was 11. 11 years old. That, and so it's obviously boxing's very much within the family it's 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 in your genetics by the sounds of things um we've we've talked to other people about the about the hobbies how old were you then so you started competing at 11 how old were you when you fell in love with the sport of boxing you know some people have said the moment i got in the in the gym was yeah. like the smell everything about it that is when i fell in love with the sport and then we've had other people go you know what it is it was a hobby and it took me a few years to develop a love for it yeah so it's like a i know you're looking at the hobby and it was a it was a hobby. I wouldn't really call it as a hobby. What what was it? What's another word for it? It was kind of Lifestyle. something I kind of yeah something I rolled into, and it was, and I was good at it. Yeah. So then I fell in love with it because I was good at it. Yeah, I get that. And and I kind of school for me was a struggle. Dyslexic, didn't get on very well. So most of the time, looking out the window, it was just it just wasn't really for me. So yeah. sport for me was my outlet and boxing was 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 the was something that I could excel in. Yeah. So then I, I become a national champion when I was 13. Wow. And I remember coming back to the uh, mon Monday. So this was the weekend on the Saturday, I become the national champion, best in the whole country. I come back to the school on the Monday. We have an assembly and I'm sitting there in the assembly with 300 other kids had no idea what, what was going to happen. And obviously they made an announcement that I'd, I'd won the championships over the weekend. And they got me to stand up and assembly. I remember standing up, looking around, thinking, oh, this is, this is strange. This is weird. I don't really fit in here. I felt, I felt kind of separate. I felt different. Okay. And that was, my, that was just my way to excel at something. And because I, had a, I wanted to prove something. Because uh, I, I got bullied when I was younger. When okay. I was around, my sisters used to beat me up. Mess of, but messing about just kids being yeah. kids and I kind of made the decision that when I was a child that I was weak okay so I had to find a way to prove that I wasn't weak I wanted to cover it up and hide it I didn't know one didn't want anyone to know because I made that decision when I was five I decided that I was weak so then that decision went out into the future for me and I had to keep proving something and then I remember when I was 11 as well my third amateur boxing contest was it was a big black tie dinner occasion you know those events okay. that you yeah, see yeah, definitely. all the business guys there with their black yeah. ties on and it back in those days smoking their cigars and yeah. it was kind of a long time ago <laughs> and um i remember it really clearly and i boxed a boxed a guy called jason meager who we're who we're still friends and um fantastic boxed for three rounds and I go to the set of the ring after the, after the three rounds and I expect to win. So I won my first two fights. So I just expected to win. And uh, they make the announcement and they put Jason's hand up. So I'd lost the fight and I was absolutely devastated. Yeah. I was in floods of tears. I was devastated. My dad was my coach. Okay. He was in my corner and he was trying to console me. But I was devastated. And in that moment, I made another decision that I wasn't good enough. Okay. So there I am, 11 years of age. I've decided these two major things that I'm weak and I'm not good enough. So they became the driving force for me to become a world-class fighter because my whole life's been about trying to prove something. And that was a very powerful moving away from motivator. And yeah. so much so as a professional, years later, 
I would um, step into the ring, challenge him for world title fights, prepared to die. Life for me was kill or be killed. It's like life or death. And that was, that was my existence. Nice. It kind of sounds strange. But when you go back to when I started as 11-year-old, 13-year-old, that wasn't a context. It was just a hobby. As you say, it was something I was checking out. I was just trying yeah. it out. I was playing football. I was playing rugby. I was doing athletics. Yeah. As I, was doing stuff. I, wasn't, I wasn't doing school very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, I remember my dad, we was up, had a chat with my dad, and I was around the 15, and he kind of said, if you're going to give it a go, maybe you should consider giving up the football and just focus on the boxing, which yeah. was a smart move. So Very he smart was a great move. man to have in my corner. And he's been in my corner for all of my fights. That's fantastic. Because you do, you get, you know, you, you look at some athletes and they have, they have the dads in the corner. Obviously, your dad came from a fantastic pedigree when it came, came to boxing. So you had a, a ready-made coach there straight away. But you find that sometimes the parents are sometimes children's hindrance as well because they almost live vicariously through them and, and push them too hard sometimes. But it sounds like your father had a fantastic relationship with you, totally understood what you were about and helped you, you know, get to, to the level that you, you were, world-class, world best in the world. And he was, you're right, because it's so, because you see that, especially when you're watching football. Yeah. The parents on the sidelines shouting and screaming at the kids. Yeah. And you can see it, you can just see, like you say, you're so right about parents living through their, their children. But I, my dad was really smart because he had a, he had a, he had something. He was something about him that kind of knew, knew something. Yeah. And then at certain times throughout my life, when I was 15, 60, you know, teenagers are like, yeah, of course, so then, you start discovering alcohol and and girls or boys, whatever so, it is. So then, doing. so then, um, I kind of, I was training with my dad. So then, there was another trainer down the gym that I was working with as well, a guy called Dave Waldock. And Mick Freely. So my dad would kind of, so I trained with him a little bit and not so much with my dad, okay. but my dad was always there. And it was kind of that, then it, then it evolved into dad introduced me to, cause I was, I was good at that time. So then my dad introduced me to who was going to become my professional boxing trainer, a guy called Jack Lindsay. Yeah. Now Jack, Jack, another boxing trainer from Luton. Jack's been, he's trained lo loads and loads of amateur fighters, pro fighters, and uh, my dad introduced me to Jack. Well, we're, we're, I was around that 17. Okay. So again, my dad knew that for me, if I was going to go pro and do it for a living, I needed to have the right, uh, right, the right people around me. Definitely. So we kind of introduced me to Jack. I call him Gentleman Jack because Jack is not your stereo stereotypical boxing trainer. He likes opera. He paints wow. and draws. He's just a beautiful man. Be and he passed away last year, bless him. Bless he's him. a beautiful man. And it, that man made a difference to hundreds and hundreds of us. The guys that come through that gym over the years, hundreds, thousands. Yeah. Over, he was in there 40 years. Wow. And I um, think he saw things a little bit differently than being the artistic and creative type. Did he look at boxing as more of an art and maybe it's almost a dance rather than it just being classed as a combative sport all the time. I think you're right. Yeah. Because boxing is, is known as the noble art. Yeah. The sweet science. Yeah, and it right. is that. And so with his, with his artistic creative element to him, so he did, he would have brought that to boxing for sure. Wow. Wow, and he was a great. great, he was a great trainer. One of, one of the best trainers there is actually. That sounds fantastic. Um, Emmanuel Stewart, which is a, a very famous trainer from the States very was over funny. was over in London. He was watching us on the pads training and Mickey Duff was my manager and he said to Mickey, wow. that's one of the best trainers I've ever seen. Wow. So I was and I was lucky to have him by my side as well throughout my pro career, all that's, the way through it. That's fantastic. So you talked about winning your first British title at 13 years old, Billy. Did you just continue to win British titles going up through the year the age groups? As a, as an amateur? Yes, as an amateur. Yes, yeah, so, so I won the national champion when I was 13. But the year before that, I got beaten maybe the quarterfinals, semifinals. Yeah. The, the year after, I then won it again. And then I lost it. Then I, was, then I, was, um, I got to the final in the NEBC. There's loads of different championships. Yeah, so I, was, yeah. I was always in the – I'd always get to the semifinals or the final. So, I, so from 13 years of age, I was always competing within the top five or ten of the country. Yeah. Wow. And then that, so that was where I stayed when I turned pro. Then I kind of started from zero again yeah. and then quickly went up the rankings and, and it went from there. 
So what was it like going from amateur to professional? How different is the standard? <laughs> it's like it, you, it's like day and night. Yeah. It's so, so different. Because you go, you're a kid. When you're an amateur, like you're a kid and you don't have that man strength. So the, well, how they would ease you into the professional world was you'd go down the pro, the pro gyms and you would spar with the professionals. And it was yeah. like, it was just like day and night. They were, they were like men. Yeah. And yeah. you're just, and all the, the, the punches that you were throwing would just kind of bounce off them. And they, they would grab hold of you. They would shove you around and mess you about. And it was like a, it's like a baptism of fire. I can imagine. Is that where you see, cause I'm, I'm sure you've, you've went up from the amateurs, the pros with people who you've made friends with all the time, people you've competed with. Is that definitely where you see the difference? You, you see, all, not, not when boys become men, but just the, you can tell the mindset is you're either going to make it in the professional ranks and it doesn't matter if you have a great career or an average career, but or you actually you, you're going to stay amateur and this is your max. There is, you have to have an X factor to succeed as a professional. Now I recommend amateur boxing to everybody. Everybody should have a go at amateur boxing because yeah. there's so many life lessons so, but a lot of mothers, they're frightened of allowing their kids to go and box. But yeah. it's so valuable. There's so many life lessons in it. If they're looked after, they're in the right environment, they've got good trainers around them, and they're being looked after, I think it's a great thing to do. But to go and do it as a professional, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody because it's a brutal, beautiful business. I've had a okay. friend of mine killed in the ring. I know guys that have been brain damaged, permanently damaged. It's dangerous. Yeah. And it's a, when you transition into the professional ranks, it's a different world. And then if you can succeed and if you can survive, when I, start, when I first turned pro, you do six rounds. So going from three three-minute rounds to six three-minute rounds, it's like, wow. Yeah. It's like a, unbelievable. <laughs> and then when you step up again, to the, you do eight three-minute rounds. I can remember when I did my first eight three-minute rounds fight against a guy called Marcel Herbert, and he was brilliant. And it was, so once I did eight threes, I kind of realized that, oh, right, I'm, I'm getting somewhere near. Like I, like I talked about earlier, about running the, yeah. just getting your, getting your running legs, doing 10 miles. It's like, if you're preparing for a marathon, that's kind of, that's a, that's a milestone. Yeah, of course. And, it, you, and it's in life for us all. We yeah. all have milestones that we've got to hit along the way to wherever we're going. Definitely. No, it's, that, it, it, it's exactly right. You know, it's, it's like trying to do a 5K and then going from 5K to a half marathon, it's, it's you know, you're going to struggle. You're not going to be able to achieve that. You definitely have to have those milestones. Absolutely. There. And there's always a let the next logical step. There's, yeah. there's always the next place to go to. So that, again, so it's important to have the right team around you because without teamwork, the dream don't work. It's as simple as that. You need Absolutely. guiding, you need coaches, you need supporters, you need everything around you. And then if you've got it, if you've got it yourself, First and foremost, you've got to have the ability, the willingness to go beyond and have that drive, that willingness. I mean, I, I would be training. I'd be out running the rain, the sleet, the snow at five o'clock in the morning. I gave everything to it. I sacrificed my life to becoming a champion. Not that, and I think that's such an important thing, especially for the young people who are aspiring athletes, aspiring boxers out there. They have to understand that, you know, they see this, you're holding up your your world championship belt there that's all people see that don't see the hours that you've put in and everything that you sacrifice you know you're talking about 15 16 year old there and your friends are dying away from the sport because they're discovering maybe it's alcohol that they're going on dates and whatever it is you're the person who said well actually no i can put that on hold for now and i'm going to i'm dedicating my life to the gym because i want to be a professional boxer and there was a there's a great got a great story so saturday night so it's a saturday night everyone's going out and I'm out, I'm out for a run. So I'm out in the run, it's raining, and I'm running up the road, and the car, there's a car drives by, and all my mates are in it. And they're all hanging out of the windows going, way, they're all going down the pub. And I'm, and I'm on the road, and I'm running the road on a Saturday night, and that was, that was my work. That's, that, that was the choice that I made. And I, I talk about win or lose, you choose. So you choose your future. So it's about creating and designing your future. And I was clear about that when I was, when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, I was, I was focused and I was clear because I was driven by something. I wanted to excel at something. And that's what, that's what pulled me through. And that's what allowed, allowed me to succeed. Because I, I went through what I had to go through. 
No, that's brilliant. So we're talking about succeeding and being successful in, in a career in boxing, in, in life. How old were you when you won your first British title, professional British title? So my first British title fight win was when I was 23. Okay. It was the Royal Albert Hall. I was, I was the new kid on the block. I was boxing a guy called Carl Crook from Preston. It was his fifth defence. Wow. The Royal Albert Hall was just full of Luton. We had half a Luton there. It was incredible. What a night. Amazing. So the Royal Albert Hall is a circular venue. So the changing rooms are underground. And I remember warming up, getting ready to walk into the arena. And, and the Royal Albert Hall is just such a beautiful venue. And it's like, it's like an amphitheater because yeah. it's circular. And what we did was, when it was fight time, they brought us up. At, from the underground change rooms, they brought us into the arena, and it was like the roar of the crowd. It was like wow. unbelievable, and because of because of the acoustics in the in the Albert Hall, it's just it was incredible experience. And I'm and I boxed my heart out. I could have won anything that night, and I I become the British and Commonwealth champion. Wow! And that was um it was that was one of the one of the biggest nights of my career. It was incredible. Loved it. It was amazing. Would you say that was a big stepping stone for you and also another motivator that lit more fire in your belly go well actually now I've achieved British and Commonwealth status I am the best in Britain and Commonwealth I'm going to push on for, for further glory now for European and for world belts that's it absolutely that was that was always in the background that was a stepping stone there's all that there was a as, as I said earlier there's always a next logical step yeah. so back in my day it was yeah the British title the Commonwealth title the European title the world title, so you'd work your way back up, you get your experience, you do your you do your years graft, you know what yeah. you know what you got to put the put the hours in. Of course. And then you've got to produce the results. Do you find a lot of people will get, you know, you you've had success with the British and Commonwealth title. Do you find people at even this day and age reach that they almost see that as the pinnacle and then they lose they lose drive? I don't know, because it's such an individual thing. Yeah. People winners losers that it's, it's we're all driven by something yeah. and it's different for us all so i i'm now what i call myself a personal performance coach so performance is very different it's very personal to us all so what's going to have you perform is different to what's going to have me perform yeah, of course. so what my skill is now is eliciting out of people what that is and then giving them the right the right tools the know-how and pressing the right button so they can go and excel and produce the results that they want for themselves in their lives because it's so individual and um fighters these days yeah some listen some some excel some don't but it's a tough tough business and it's very very difficult to get past the british level well, to get to get to british level is a huge achievement oh, yeah, to win fantastic. the british title the lonsdale belt is a huge achievement oh, huge massive. massive massive and then to go beyond that and to keep going in the face of that and then then Europe and then the world. It's, yes, it's a huge achievement and it really, really takes something. And it's, like we talk about the X factor. We all know about the X factor. And it kind of, you've got to have something within you that's driving you forward to, to go into that, those arenas yeah. and produce those winning results, which is tough. Yeah, definitely. I've talked about this with um, a previous guest. Talent only takes you so far. It's about that sacrifice, that dedication, yeah. and building on the talent that you've got. So you've won your British and Commonwealth. European, as you said, was the next milestone. Tell now us a what, little bit. What happened? Yeah, so oh, I won so the British and Commonwealth. So I won yeah. the British and Commonwealth champion. So then in my first defence, I lost it. <laughs> so I oh, lost no. it. I got two oh, big good. cuts. Stop right. the fight. Cuts. So then great management. I had great, great team around me. Yeah. So we, um, I had another fight, a 10-rounder next, and then we got a rematch. Okay. So then we had a rematch, and I regained the British and Commonwealth title. So that, so that was, so, th uh, so it's, it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I mean, you, and again, you see that you've went from competing in the amateurs, you're probably competing on a weekly basis. But when you get to the professional, it's very different. You're not, you're not fighting every week. And you see it so much that you can have one off day where you do lose a, a competition. Yeah. And all of a sudden, especially this day and age around social media, it's almost, they say it's the end of your career. And we know it's, it's not. It's very yeah. different. It's, you know, it's just a, an off day. And you've, you've proved that there by going away, coming back, fighting, and then getting a rematch and, and reclaiming the British and Commonwealth. Did you make any defences of the British and Commonwealth title after you'd won it for yeah, the second so then, time? Yeah, so I, I 
I regained it and then I defended it. Perfect. And then we then we focused on the world title. Then it was then okay. then it was I got a shot of the world title. Kind of after, so I had another couple of fights after that. Was trying to position myself into the world rankings and get a shot of the world title, which we managed to do. So my first opportunity to fight for the world title was uh, in the uh, Las Vegas. Wow. This was the Las Vegas. Can you imagine? I'm a kid from Luton. Yeah. From Luton Town. I'm, I'm top of the bill in Las Vegas. Wow. The fight what? capital of the world. What was, it was that like? Incredible. Was, so we was boxing at the MGM Grand, which was at the time was the biggest hotel in the world. Yeah. And I remember, I remember arriving in Las Vegas two weeks prior to the fight. So we're training over there. And I remember arriving there and we've all probably seen pictures of Las Vegas. I mean, you walk down the Las Vegas Strip, the bright lights, the limousines, yeah. the big hotels, and it's like, wow, this is amazing. I stood outside the MGM Grand, and 30 foot up in the air was a big display unit, and my name was flashing in lights. Wow. Billy Schwer, Luton. I thought, wow, <laughs> Luton's on the map. <laughs> I've made it, and, I've um, made it. Yeah, really. Can you, you have just made something it, you, you couldn't even imagine it to be top of the bill in Las Vegas. Incredible. What a dream. So then the fight was an absolute, I uh, boxing a guy called Rafael Ruelis and um, Michael Buffer. Remember Michael Buffer? Yeah, Let's yeah. get ready to rumble. He was the MC. Wow. And um, yeah, so he introduced us. The fight was a real battle and unfortunately I got beat. I got cut. I got two cuts again. I got two, a two inch cut over each eye. So which required 70 stitches. Oh my goodness. So, um, unfortunately, my dream had been shattered at that, at um, the Wembley, uh, Wembley. That was, that was next. That was, a that was, a yeah, that was my dream had been shattered in Las Vegas. It was, uh, was devastated, devastated. Oh, yeah. But we came back, allowed, allowed my face to heal. Yeah get over the cut so we go back to work again and it's about creating the team again and sit down and you generate and go again you go again because i the dream was still alive for me so then is that we got back to work lesson. i think yeah. that's a fantastic lesson. you know you, ha you haven't been caught up in the moment of being in las vegas you've embraced the whole situation you know my name are up in lights billy from Luton. that's it i'm on the las vegas strip i'm about to you know, I'm competing for a world championship. And unfortunately, due to cuts, you know, it hasn't went the way you wanted, but it hasn't made you think that's the dream over. You've came back and you've assessed and you've went to work again. And I'm, yeah, go on, tell me more about that story because I'm loving it. Yeah, and, that's, and, that's, and again, there's lessons for us all. You have a dream, you may not succeed straight away. Yeah. And it's having that persistence, that courage, the determination to fight for what you want. You've got to be really clear about what it is that you do want. I was clear what to become a world champion. So we come back from Vegas. That's done now. That's that's over. Let's go back to the drawing board. We've got to reinvent and go again. So we go again and I'll, we work my way back up the European rankings. Yeah. So then I get a shot of the European title over in Spain. We go to Spain. I challenge and I win the European title in an epic contest. It was voted European title fight of the year. It was absolute epic. And um, I knocked him out in the 10th round. So we came back from, from Spain. I defended the European title three times, which got me moved up to the, into the world rankings again. I was ranked number one. So I was European champion, defended it three times. And I'm ranked number one in the world by the WBC. So I got another shot. And that was at Wembley Arena that time. Wow. Go on, tell us about that one then. So then, so then... Um, I was boxing a guy called Stevie Johnson, who was the best in the whole world. He was brilliant and he was so quick. He was amazing. Right. So the fight starts and it's, I got cut again. I got a big cut over my nose. And it was the first half of the fight was, was a real battle. He was so, so quick. I was trying to catch him. The second half of the fight was very similar to the first. It was just a, an amazing contest. He was brilliant. So it goes to full 12 rounds and I wait for the decision. And, um, Sent to the ring, and I'm thinking, have I done enough? Have we got it? And they make the announcement, ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Stevie Johnson. So they put the other guy's hand up, and again, so I'd lost again. But there was a lot of controversy after this fight because he failed the drug test. Ah, right, okay. So it's no wonder I couldn't catch him. He was so quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so, but the thing was, he got off on a technicality. Okay. So I was, again, disappointed. I was devastated. I felt cheated. Yeah, the lesson for me and for us all is 
I really believe to produce world-class results, you've got to be powerful in the face of adversity, setbacks, and defeat. So you have to leave the past in the past. Don't yeah. dwell in it or get stuck in it. Just keep moving. So we've, we've had to overcome that situation, that circumstance, move on, and go again. Did so you we go again, with, we get another shot. Did you sit down with your coaches after that fight and go, well, yeah, yeah maybe I wasn't catching, but actually he was, he'd been taking, performing enhancing drugs. So the result is almost, it's a moot point. It's it, forget about that one and not dwell on that one because there's probably more positives come from that than there was negatives. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Because the fight should have been made void, really. Yeah, of course. He should have got, he should have got stripped of the title and you can go into those kind of details. But you're right because you have to, there's loads of pluses to come out of it. Yeah. I was competing with the best in the world. I came up short. I lost the fight. That's all right. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in having a go. There's no shame in putting yourself on the line and having a go, putting yourself at risk, being prepared to fail, having the courage, because that takes courage for us all. What's in the way? Fear. You've got to learn to confront and challenge your fears and step up, yeah. raise up. And that's, that's fear. A great acronym for fear is face everything and rise. I like that one. We often use the um, future events appear real. Future events appearing real. Yeah, brilliant. There's loads yeah. of great acronyms. Yeah, right? there is. a fantastic. I like that one as well. It is. It's yeah. very much about trying to confront that. And it's the anticipation's worse than confrontation, isn't it? Yeah. Unless you're going into a boxing fight. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. Because the you do get whacked in the face. <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> That's okay. an occupational hazard because somebody oh, yeah. is going to bash you up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The pain's this, coming. This yeah. This yeah is the it, pain's yeah. coming. Where's you walk into the ring? You know, the pain's coming. Yeah, definitely. I suppose you can run, but you can't hide. You, you, it's yeah. coming. The, vic the victory you, certainly busts the pain, don't they? That's it. So then you you got what I had to learn to do as as a as a boxer. You you have just learn to manage that. So I learned that from a very young age. It's managing the fear. So then you can overcome and ride it out and see it through and grasp yourself, breathe and go for it Definitely. and you once the bell goes you step forward and that's that's what takes the huge courage no it is it's fantastic and that you're, you're not just dealing with the opponent when it comes to world title fights european title fights you're also dealing with the pressure from the crowd and the audience and the pressure you put on yourself it's 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 your own psyche isn't it so and that's exactly and that's that's what i've come up with my brand is called mental boxing so mental boxing is exactly that it's the it's dealing with yourself, the internal voice, the internal dialogue, the can I, the can't I, should I, am I good enough, is it possible, is somebody, could somebody like me, really, and I had all these conversations going on with myself, yeah. I'd failed twice, so we get another shot at the world title, Wembley Conference Centre again, goes full 12 rounds, really close fight, and I thought I'd done enough. And I lost that one as well, I lost it on a split decision, oh, wow. so it could have went either way. Yeah. Again, so I'd, I'd lost again. I'd failed again. So, I mean, a lot of us, we, we give up. Sometimes we feel like giving up. I mean, I did. I felt, I felt is it really possible? Is it really going to happen for me? So we have to deal with that internal dialogue all the time. Each and every one of us are dealing with it every day. Yeah. So you're saying you've had sort of three, three losses there for, for a world belt, world belt. Who was it? And you're talking about yourself, questioning yourself. Who was yeah. it then? Not, I know it would have been yourself, but who was in the background saying, no, look, Billy, you just need to push through this. You, you are definitely good enough to be a world champion. I was, I was doing it all myself. Okay. And I, I, I had a great team of people around me. Yeah. So my dad in my corner, my, my coach, Jack, I had a nutritionist, I had a fitness coach, I had a good management team. So I had all those guys. We're, so we're all aligned in what we're up to. Yeah. We all believed that it was possible. And I believed it was possible. So I kept driving. I had the, the strength and the desire. Now, I talk about desire because desire is the starting point of all achievement. It's the first principle of success, knowing what you want. Yeah. So you've got to know what you want. If you don't know what you want, you ain't going to get it. So get no, clear. Have clarity on your purpose, which is what I was. And it was very tangible because it was the world championship. Yeah, of course. But that was in the future. That was, that was what I was shooting for. So, so the desire there was clear. You, you've got your desire and we've talked about, you know, you've got that, that mental voice inside you. You're talking to yourself and you tell, was there anything after those three defeats that there was just a, a change? There was a switch where 
it just clicked into place. Because there was obviously something that was, you know, you're talking to yourself and there was maybe just something small that maybe you couldn't even put your finger on. Why, why it wasn't quite going your way. I mean, the split decision is so unfortunate and it, it could have went either way. Was there something after that, that third defeat where it just something clicked and it was like, wow, this is it, okay? It was, I had that belief. So that was always there. So there was, that didn't happen for me after the third defeat. What, what happened though was after the third defeat, I looked at where we was at and reassessed the situation. And what, because we have to make changes, right? Sometimes. And change, sometimes the change that we need to make is right in our faces, but we can't always see it. Yeah. So that I had to, I, the change that I had to make was I had to move up a weight because okay. I was a lightweight and making lightweight as a boxer, like jockeys, we're always dieting, getting ourselves down to weight. And it's, it's painful. It's, yeah. As boxers, it's dangerous. We're dehydrating ourselves down to weight and it's, then we go and have a 12-round championship fight. It's, yeah. it's not... It's not advisable. No. So, so it's time for me to move up a weight. So I moved up to light welterweight, which was, which was only five pound heavier. Now, it doesn't seem a lot. Five pound doesn't seem a lot. But sometimes it's the little things in life that make the big difference. Yeah, definitely. And that was maybe you talked about that. that was, that's what really made a difference. So the five pound, the weight difference made a big difference. So I went into the, the next, my next championship fight. A little bit heavier. That it just made it a little bit easier. And when I fought for the for the world title for my fourth on my fourth occasion, that was a brutal contest as well. That went the full twelve rounds. That was an absolute battle, and it was um, it was a real tough fight as well because they all are because you you're dealing with the best. Yeah, yeah, it's the best in the world against the best in the world, isn't it? You're so... dealing with the best, and it's going to be confronting. It's going to be it's brutal and it's tough. But that was that was the one that I managed to succeed on on my fourth attempt. It went the full twelve rounds. But the, the thing about that fight was the start. I had the best start you could imagine. In round two, I hit him with a right hand. Boom! I hit him perfectly, and he went over. And I right. thought to myself, "Wow!" In round two, I thought, yeah. "Wow, this is it. I've done it. I've done it." I thought. If he gets up from that, I'm going home because there's no way he's going to get up from that. I hit him so hard. I went, wow, this is it. And he got up, didn't he? Oh, never. He got up and he battled his way back in and we had a great contest, went the full 12 rounds. And again, I go, I go, I go back to my corner after, the, after 12 rounds, punishing rounds. And uh, have we done enough? It was like, that, that, have we done it? Is this it? So then we go to the centre of the ring and... Um, I'm looking out into the crowd. I can see my mum, my sisters are there, and the guys that have supported me from when I was a kid. We've always like a little family, and we're, we're, I'm looking at everyone. It's like, did we do it? Did we do it? And I, eventually, I got to hear the words I've been waiting all my life to hear. And the new IBO light welterweight champion of the world, Billy Schwer. And that was, that was, it was like, wow. So just the euphoric music, to, music to my ears. Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah. what did becoming a world champion do to change your life, Billy? It was a funny thing because, again, when you succeed in something like that, you kind of have an expectation that it's going to be some way. Yeah. So I'd won the fight, but what happened was I took a big punch around the back of the head in the 12th and final round. And I was in a haze. I was struggling. I was double at double vision. And we'd organize a big after fight party in Luton. So I'm in the car on the way to the party. And I just don't feel right. I can't see. I start to feel sick. So I get out of the car and I'm violently sick. So the alarm bells start to ring because a lot of accidents happened between yeah. on the way home. And it was uh, frightening. So we went straight to hospital. They kept me in for two days. I missed the party. Everyone got really drunk without me. <laughs> Everyone's going, where's Billy? Where's Billy? And I'm stuck in the Luton and Dunstan oh, Hospital yeah. for two days. So it wasn't quite as sweet no. as what I was <laughs> thought it was going to be. You know, life is yeah. like that sometimes. Yeah, it is, yeah. Definitely. And, but, you know, you, you went to hospital and thankfully you, you were okay. Yes, um, I was okay. How, how did life change after that? So I came out. Um, the world champion went on a quick little holiday, but for me, it was like I'd it took me 20 years. So, my first fight was when I was 11, started boxing when I was eight, first yeah. fight was 11, and this was two decades later. So, there I am, 31. Two decades later, I'm crowned the world champion. It's like, right, so now for me, it was like 
uh, I had to make it pay now because it's business. Yeah. Yes, of course. I was, I was greedy, reckless, mindless, bit stupid. I had my, I organised my first defence only three months later. Wow. And I remember training for the fight, and I remember getting punched in the head, and I'm thinking, that don't feel right. right. Just don't feel right. But, yeah. but me being me, a bit stupid, reckless. World didn't champion. say anything to didn't say anything to anyone. So right. we are we are our own worst enemies, boxers. Yeah. Yeah. So um went ahead with a fight, absolute war. Again, bat we knocked each other from pillar to post, round after round. And eventually in the eleventh round, bang, I got knocked out. Oh, Game no. over. Game over. Done. So then I go back to hospital. But this time I travel in style. I go back in the I go in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the, okay. so I'm, I, I just lost my world title we're on the way to the Royal Free Hospital in central London and I'm in the back of the ambulance and I look out of the window I'm on my own and the sirens are blaring we're dodging through the traffic and I'm thinking to myself wow well this is it this is it and I'm like, that was I made one of the toughest decisions I've ever made to retire from the professional boxing ring I mean life changing decisions they're tough to make yeah, definitely. And that's, it was kind of enforced upon me because I love my life and I love life and I love where I'm at now. And I kind of, what happened was in the back of the ambulance, I made a, an unconscious decision that my life's over. What's the point? What's, I had no meaning anymore right. because my whole life was about in pursuit of something. Now, the work that I've done subsequently since that time over the last 18 years is really to discover what, the decisions that we may have made about ourselves and the, the journeys that we go on and why do people perform better than others. I've been on that journey for the last 18 years for, for first and foremost, for my own sanity, because I found the transition from being a professional boxer into life in the real world, a very, very difficult one. I struggled. I went for an identity crisis. My whole life I've been Billy the boxer and there I am just Billy. And who's Billy? Yeah. I didn't know who I was because my whole conditioning and training from a young child has been attacked, defend, resist, and confront and fight. Now that works really well in the boxing arena, but it doesn't work in life. No. So it, it was a paradox. What had me be a champion in the ring was now having me fail outside of it. It's, and it's, it's great that you touched on this because it was going to be my next question about when you transition from a sports career into, as you say, normal life. How, how did you end up coping with that? And what was your strategies that you put in place? Because obviously you have some fantastic examples and it's something that you use now on a day-to-day -day basis to help other people in life. So yeah. how, how is that a lot of... How did I cope? I didn't cope. Okay, tell me about it. I didn't cope. I made a complete mess of it. Really? I was, um, at that time, I mean, mental health is talked about very openly these days. Yeah. Lots of people talk about it. But this was like 18 years ago. So it was very, it was all low key. And yeah. I was kind of embarrassed. I felt I didn't know how to ask for help. And I felt that I should be able to figure it out for myself. Yeah. So I kind of made a complete mess of it because I was kind of fumbling my way through it. And I had a breakdown. I, I kind of had a breakdown. And I was, I wrecked my marriage, which ended up in divorce. I was depressed. Yeah. The first two years of my retirement from boxing were the worst two years of my life. I crashed and burned, wrecked my marriage, divorce. I went bankrupt. I ended up going bankrupt. I lost everything. I had my home was repossessed. I had no money. I had no future. And I was trying to, I was trying to create something. I moved back home with my parents. Thankfully, they were amazing. And then I, I kind of reached out, got to work on myself, got myself a coach, did loads and loads of training. And it was kind of, I was, it was in that, it was around that time I started to work on myself because I, I wanted to get myself better. It was for my, because I, I also, I felt like a complete failure because where I was at, I'd lost everything and I yeah. felt like a failure. And that's when I had the breakdown and I didn't know how to get out of it until I kind of reached out and got help. And then I, I, I kind of, I had an epiphany. I got that my life is my responsibility. My future is my responsibility, but I got it like, I know we hear that and you kind of, it makes sense, but I really got it like at a level, yeah. a deep level. So then in that, cause I was just being a victim. I ended up being a victim of my situation, my circumstances. I kind of hit rock bottom 
and it's got oh right i need to i need to do something about it but then i start that was when when i started to work on myself and take myself to pieces to discover who billy was i peeled back all the layers of my identity to discover who i was that that's that was the birth of what i'm doing now and it's been over the last 15 or so years as a professional speaker and now as a performance coach first and foremost back in the day it was for my own sanity i was depressed i wanted to get myself out of where i was at and i and that was the work that i've done i've done and i continually do the work i've done a lot of inner work to get free from the constraints of the past and the stories that i had about my life and myself yeah. and everyone else and to get free i want freedom and that's what that's what i'm now offering and that's what i do is is giving people an access to happiness fulfillment and satisfaction because that is available yeah and i mean we, we better learn it from then a former world champion who has been from being a world champion as you see you lost you lost your way quite a yeah. bit from what you're saying and rebuilding yourself you know you've you it's what you're saying about the the world champion mindset you've yeah. you took that from a, a career and from a sporting point and you've made that into a life story which yes. is a fantastic help. and you know anyone who's listening out there even live on the facebook feed now don't be scared to reach out if you know it's not taboo subject mental health please you know do access all the, the fantastic companies that are out there and the charities that are working with people with mental health yes yes it's, it's, absolutely it's, it's sad when yeah, there's, there's far too much of it these days people losing their lives to mental health and if yeah. any... suicide it's, it's big it's big Huge. and i yeah I, I really really struggled i was in a i was in a dark place for some time so then i managed to thankfully get myself out of it and here i am today i mean today i'm talking to you i'm happier more fulfilled and satisfied yeah. than i've ever been if, yeah i can tell i mean i've spoken to you a couple of times i've I, and we never met until we only met through linkedin yeah and yeah. i just reached out you know again one of the things if you don't ask you don't get I've reached out and you were fantastic. I wanted to do a bit of public speaking around my sport and background. Yes. I, a little conversation with yourself and that worked out. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm doing it full time, but I'm doing little bits here and there in schools and at universities, which is fantastic. And then when I set the podcast again, I thought I'm going to ask Billy again, if he would like to come on the show. And again, so, so approachable. So anyone who's listening to the show, you know, don't be afraid just because Billy's a former world champion, just reach out and approach him. He's so approachable and his mindset is fantastic. So, Let's move on and let's talk about the let's talk about your book that you've wrote. Let's talk about the, the work you're doing now and let's tell more people about that. Yeah, so um obviously what I've the book that I've created was because I've I figured it out. Like I, I'm happier now, as I said. So what is that? How do you get that? So then you have to really get what it's not. And I've kind of I've created a success system, which is in the book. So the book's 12 rounds, so not chapters, obviously. Yeah. We've got 12 rounds, there's a championship fight. <laughs> so, and it's based upon this success model. So the coaching program that I've created is, is the 12-round Billy Schwer experience. Amazing. So we do it over 12 weeks, 12 rounds. We go through this model, and it's very interactive. It is really probing into our own selves and performance. And my mission now, what I'm, my vision and mission so my vision is i'm out to rock the world and cause a phenomenon right that's what i'm up to okay and my mission is the transformation of the middle-aged man that's right. my mission so the guys that i work with are generally around that kind of area 40 plus and that's my mission because a lot of middle-aged men are going through what i went through yeah and they're stuck and they can't see a way out they're concerned about their future, their future health, their well-being, their mental well-being, their physical well-being, their careers, and just their, as a whole. So it's like looking at somebody as a whole and just really supporting people to be the best and get, get a 10 out of 10 life. That's amazing. Yeah, and I suppose you figured out younger than most people are working that out you through, through your sport and career and, and retiring yeah. early on. And that's an absolutely amazing thing. So people who are out there, you know, how do they get in touch with you? What what do they need to do in order to get get into this coaching program? All the usual, all the usual social media platforms. Because yeah. I do, I've got a corporate identity as well. So I go into into companies. I speak at big conferences. I do a keynote at big conferences. So I do that stuff. And then I've created a masterclass where I work with teams. My things about how to get your team punching above their weight. So I've created a seven-step winning formula. And I promise you, if you were to apply these seven steps to yourself, your work, and your life, you'll produce world-class results. 
if you if you were over to, to over time work on these seven steps you would succeed I promise you so i do that with companies and then obviously i do my one-to-one -one personal performance coaching so that's that's my business model so i'm i'm traveling around um speaking at conferences teams and then i do my stuff one-on-one -on -one just like we're doing over yeah. over videos no that's amazing and i think we, we're going to do a giveaway as well on our social media outlets yes the lifestyle. yes billy's going to send out a, one of his books to to a lucky winner if they're following our social media outlets i will be putting on there how how you win that um but billy i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the hobby of a lifestyle today it's been fantastic hearing about your story from an 11 year old child who just had a, a passion for boxing to, to the journey of you becoming a world champion and now being a, and a world leading motivational inspirational speaker anything's possible and also if i may i just want to acknowledge you for what you're doing well, and you. where you're at and where you've come from and what you're up to because that's that's a big thing that's a big task to take on yeah so what the, and your listeners and the difference that you're making to those guys who are following you. So I want to acknowledge you for what you're up to and what you're doing in your life also, because that, that should be applauded because that's, that's, that's extraordinary what you're up to. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's just some, again, a, a dedication, a passion. I just wanted to try this out and see how it went. We're getting there. <laughs> we'll hopefully get good results from it, but it's, it's going really good well for you. So I really appreciate it. But thank you so much for your time today, Billy. Stay safe during lockdown. And yes. I'll be in touch with you soon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. If you visit billyschwerd.com, you'll be able to access two free chapters of his new book. Also, follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Hobby of a Lifestyle to find out how you can win a book from the man himself. See you soon. Stay safe.